0: It's the Ruby on Rails podcast. I'm Jeffrey Grossenbach. April 2009, show number 97. Recently learned that Intuit uses Rails, and I spoke with Brian Moriarty and Thomas Hanley of the Intuit community site for small businesses. It's the Rails podcast, middle of April, tax time here in the United States, at least for individuals. Uh, Businesses had their taxes in a little while ago, but I thank... Brian Moriarty, and Thomas Hanley from Intuit, who work on the Intuit community site at community.intuit.com which, I recently found out, is running on Ruby on Rails. So, thanks for taking some time out. Um, this is definitely a stressful time of the year for people involved with finances. Yeah.
1: Thanks for talking to us. Yeah, I just
0: finished my taxes this weekend. <laughs> so, the uh, community Intuit community site for business, small businesses, tips, uh, forums for QuickBooks, and also forum, forums for accountants. Some of the discussions in there get pretty, pretty technical, but uh, that's great for people to have a spot to be able to discuss these kinds of issues. How long has that been been going on?
2: Um, this is Tom. Uh, the, uh, the community site was actually split up into multiple sites originally. Uh, QuickBooks and accountants had separate uh, websites. And then Intuit also had a, another small business website called um, Jump JumpUp, which was a support uh, group for small businesses. And we, our group actually merged all the sites together about um, a year ago onto this uh, Rails platform, or we started the process to, to merge everything into this Rails platform about
1: a year ago. Yeah, it was um, a reasonably medium-large-sized company, and so each of those projects was separate originally. They, um, different teams had created community sites for their different needs. JumpUp was for businesses to just help each other talk about starting a business in general, and there was a site for people to talk about QuickBooks, and there was another site for accountants to talk together. And so, so yeah, as Tom said about a year ago, um, it made sense to bring them together.
0: Now, did you have to worry about a lot of existing forum data and user accounts and URLs, or did you s- just start from scratch? Uh,
2: well, we um, we did have to worry about uh, a lot of that stuff uh, with users specifically and their posts. We brought all their posts and their users, and I built like a system to help kind of relink uh, users, new user accounts in the Rails system to their existing uh, posts in the older systems just with some database linkages. But so everybody kind of moved over to the new platform together and it kind of, it helped have like with our seeding process essentially, because we just kept all the old original data.
0: Now, were you, Part of the process when that happened, when Rails was chosen, uh, why did why did you choose to use Ruby on Rails for this project?
1: I'll let Tom answer that. One. <laughs> I wasn't actually on the project yet, uh, but I was when I joined it. I was happy to hear they were using Rails. <laughs> go ahead,
2: Tom. Um, yeah, so I, I joined uh, into it just over a year ago uh, uh, to join for the Jump Up project, and um, my first day of work we had training on the existing jump up platform, uh, which was a standalone uh community application server. Uh not not like Drupal or anything with something else. Um but my on my first day of work I saw scaling issues and uh some database issues because it was a single threaded database web server all together uh web server and, and I Pointed out to my manager and said, "This is going to be a problem. We need to do something else." So, uh, add into it, we we tend to look internally for solutions as well as externally to other open source or platform-specific solutions. And uh, the TurboTax uh, Live community was already using Rails, and uh, so I worked with uh, the TurboTax Live community to. Uh, Take their code base originally and then leverage
1: it for what we needed to do. And also, the um, Intuit historically, uh, you know, it started as doing Windows and Macintosh software uh, desktop. And so, the developers at Intuit, a lot of them have C++ desktop experience. Myself included. I've I've been at Intuit for 10 years and. um, as we're, we've moved a lot more into the web lately and a lot of the web development here is in Java um, and so it was unusual to have a Ruby on Rails project this was as far as I know the second one at Intuit with the TurboTech Live Community one that Tom mentioned being the first one and so, um, so of course there was a lot of discussion about should we do something differently than the way a lot of Intuit is doing it and really it wasn't discussed as a as an emotional, religious kind of discussion, it was, let's weigh the pros and cons. And basically the team made a grid of the things we needed and how well each solution solved them. I was very excited to find another Rails project within
2: Intuit after, you know, two weeks of working here, because uh, I I academically just, you know, played with Rails uh, while I was working on other projects before I joined Intuit. So, uh it was it was an exciting thing to actually finally get a chance to do it in a production
1: quality uh, space. Yeah, and as for myself, I had been I had worked on QuickBooks for about six years as a desktop developer in C plus plus, and then uh, and then in Flex for a couple of years, and decided it was time for a change. And when I started looking around within Intuit, I thought, okay, I'll be doing some Java server side development, um, and that'll be okay. Uh, and then, and I knew someone on this team, and when I talked to him and found out they were using Rails, I thought, "Wow, <laughs> I didn't know we were doing that, but that's awesome." Because I was more excited about
0: that. Well, that's impressive that they would uh, use a different technology like that that was not really being used throughout the rest of the company, but still worked. Now, recently, just this week, Google announced they're they're going to support Java on the Google App Engine, and right away it was revealed that JRuby is is ready to go on that. Given the fact that a lot of the rest of the company is using Java, do you do you guys deploy on JRuby for your web servers, or do you go more for just a, a standard uh, Mongrel or uh, Passenger type of stack?
2: Actually, our our application is uh, is running Fusion Passenger. Um, there was another project for a while, uh, Click and Mobile, um, was a Rails application. I think it's been changed now to another application and absorbed into another. Group, but that one was deployed uh, using JRuby. Um, I know that
1: uh, I knew somebody who worked on that that one, but that was JRuby. Yeah, we're um, we didn't have a need to interoperate like at the API level with the, with the other Java stuff that's happening at Intuit. Uh, I mean, at the sort of Java API level, we are interoperating at more of a restful level with the um, with the logging system that Intuit has, so that people can log into all of our different properties through the same system. and uh, But that one doesn't really require using the JVM, because it's just done over HTTP behind the scenes. Uh, and so we're using Ruby Enterprise Edition.
0: I think, actually, I saw some statistics. You said you're up to something like 10 application servers and a couple uh, master-slave databases and memcaches as well. I know what the a lot of larger sites that I've... I've s- spoken with, they tend to try to be a lot more stable, whereas maybe a startup's going to try to st- stay with day-to-day changes in Rails. D- do you have some kind of a plan for that as far as your, your upgrade c- schedule? Do you stick with the versions of Rails at work, or do you try to, to jump forward if there are new new features that you feel like you need?
1: <laughs> um, uh, we don't worry about stability at all. <laughs> uh, no, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> So we were on um, Rails one point. We're on one three six for a while. The project when 1, we took one No oh, Ruby one one eight
2: six. Oh, Ruby one. But 8, Rails yeah. one three six.
1: Uh, or one two. We're getting all the numbers mixed up. Sorry, 1.2.3. 1, it's something. so confusing. Yeah <laughs> one 2 something. And that um, what the TurboTax Live community used used when we took the project from them. So, uh, so Tom and I both we we keep up on the what's going on in the Rails community and the technology changes and stuff. And we had been pushing our manager for a while to um, that we knew we would see a lot of benefit from upgrading to Rails 2. Point anything. And uh, so, um, but we're also being practical about it. And you're right, Jeffrey, when you when you mentioned that larger companies do try to keep some stability. Uh, so. We wanted to make sure that we were meeting customer needs first but, um, uh, in terms of user-visible things before going and changing the infrastructure, like upgrading to a new version of Rails. Um, but we did um, we did get the green light a couple months ago, and we went ahead, Tom and I, just the two of us, sort of did a uh, uh, quick, uh, what, what was the term you used? For? Black ops. Black, <laughs> black ops, yeah. Um, just on a different branch and upgraded to Rails 2.2.2. And we have seen real benefit from that uh, with things like the, um, the database query caching and uh, okay. a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, and a lot of the,
2: you know, we've been using the you know dirty object tracking. It helps out a lot with our, ca- our memcache, you know, uh,
1: situations for clearing out cache or whatnot. So we don't try to stay on the bleeding edge but we try to stay up to date enough that we can benefit from all the stuff we're reading about um, and listening to it at least within within, (laughs) within a few months after it comes out because it's great stuff.
0: Now, Tom, you blogged a little bit about with sometimes applications do a lot with the user model and they're writing to that all the time. and, And one thing that helped you in pruning down different parts of the website was just to think about how often that needs to happen. Did the dirty caching and the more awareness of of the new active record did that help with that at all or do you still think that's a good idea for people to explicitly think about how frequently they're touching the user model
2: um uh, it helped uh, quite a bit but i do think that you know we we need to trim down the amount of queries we're we're doing and find out you know making websites simpler i think uh but in more in a more complex way like uh you you see you see it now with um like a lot of the popular sites, whether they're rails or any other language they're they're tending to be a lot more simpler and broken down uh to just be able to get the information you need to a specific user like I know I, in my past experience, I did a lot of cold fusion development and um you know, every every seemed like every view everybody was. We were always selecting from the database constantly different attributes for all the objects, and it's just way too much overhead. And and so, like with uh, the some of the stuff we've been doing doing for tuning, a lot of it is like, okay, do we really need that that field or that specific join on this view, or can, can we? you know, remove that feature from this view to speed up the performance of this, this page.
0: Which actually is a good question, or leads me into another question. Recently, I think someone on Twitter was saying that performance is actually different than scalability. And Brian, you had blogged recently talking about things being multi-threaded, and, and sometimes maybe it's a good that things, that things are not multi-threaded because when you're thinking about scalability, you're not thinking about getting the most out of maybe one individual server, but being able to have a whole farm of servers. What what are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, yeah, you're right. I, I did blog about that. I, uh, you know, I love software. <laughs> software is a lot of fun for me. And so I like thinking about cool problems like threading. Um, but at the same time, practically speaking, I find that um, multi-threading can sometimes create more problems than it solves. And, um, uh, because a lot of times it's um, it's hard to reproduce problems in a multi-threaded situation, and um, and the developers, well, you lose some of the simplicity that you get in a single-threaded scenario. Um, I certainly think that if you can if you can just keep stuff single-threaded and um, and achieve scalability in other ways, that I would that I do prefer to do that. Um, to me, it's it's critically important that users have a very fast user experience. Um, but the way we achieve that isn't important to them, right? They care more about just that it is fast. But as far as,
2: like, increasing the user experience speed, we, we, tr- we do do a lot of stuff with, um, like, Yflow And I mean, I know Yahoo's scaling problems are not our own, but uh, we, we do do a lot of uh, stuff with um, using a CDN, Akamai for our CDN, Uh, to cache our uh, JavaScript and our images so we can get the data to show up uh, in the user's view much quicker.
1: I think, in general, we try to keep things uh, as simple as possible. Sometimes you do have to do things that are more complex behind the scenes um, to make the user experience better. Um, But uh, if you get too fancy with technology... You end up regretting it later on sometimes um, and uh because all that complexity becomes really hard for the uh the developers who come after you to to understand and and make changes without breaking stuff
0: now i think I think it was Brian on your blog, you had quite a bold idea of doing like we see on Google, where you see a little statistic, even just as a non technical user, all this query took half a second or or a fraction of a second, and, and using a little mongrel wrapper around that to do that. I think I think that's a pretty bold idea, because it's then it's actually kind of a little, uh, maybe a little more of a motivation to realize, okay, this is important, and, and each user, as they load the page, we want to get that number as small as possible.
1: Yeah, really, the, when I first saw that on Google, I loved it, uh, where you do a query, you, you type a search, and it tells you, you know, this took, 0.05 seconds or something uh, I loved it because it showed me that how much they care about the speed of what of uh, responsiveness of the app and um, and so yeah I, I do think it really helps to remind the developer as well that what you're building people are really using it and it has to be blazing fast for them that was when I was that was um, I hadn't been using rails for too long when I wrote that post and um, I was playing around with learning how to write Mongrel handlers, I think they're called um, the the plugin, and we're not using Mongrel anymore. But it was it was a fun exercise.
0: <laughs> Thanks again for uh, the time. Definitely taxes uh, and finances in general, big deal, and it's great to have good software to do that with, and and a community forum for people to get good information. <laughs> do you find that? Uh, you know, of course, it's all over the news uh, every day, finances, recession or whatever. Do you find you get getting more traffic, more people uh, wanting to think about their small businesses and really put effort into growing their business or is that just normal and people are always thinking about that? Well,
2: um, we actually, a lot of our traffic comes from actually QuickBooks Desktop and the Accountant Software, the Desktop Software. Um, we have a, a widget that, is inside the desktop application during day-to-day usage of a QuickBooks user or an accountant. And they they, uh, use it as a support tool for questions about the application while they're in there. Uh, So we get a lot of traffic from uh, actual desktop users that don't really, they're not using a web browser and going to the community site. Um, As far as uh, small business, uh, definitely now with the, the way the economy is going, you know, it seems more and more people are trying to figure out how to start their own business because they could have just gotten laid off from another job. So using the small business side of the community website to learn, you know, pitfalls and like, oh, how do I get you know incorporated or whatnot? They, there's a lot of threads like that that are going on.
0: That's fascinating. So you actually have a little web view in the desktop application that, that just hits the uh, website and, and gives some updates or can be searched.
1: Yeah, that's right. QuickBooks itself has has a little web view uh, in the desktop app. It's the site. You can see it whether you're logged into the site or not. Um, And then so do the Intuit uh, professional accountant products. There's a a couple of products that accountants use for doing taxes for their clients, uh, ProSeries and Lister, and those products also have those little views into our application. And as the user is navigating around within the application, within the desktop app, the view changes to be relevant Q&A about that part of the app. That's using a JSON API. Yeah. I'm not sure if Tom said that, um, but uh, we put together a JSON API. Um, one of our team members did to, uh, um, and so, so the uh, some of the HTML code is stored in the client, but it's mostly, I think, just the frame, right? Mm-hmm. To, um uh, so then they can they can host the UI in one place if they want to, and then and then get the JSON API to get the data from
0: us. Nice. That seems like a great way of of making it interactive and and useful day to day.
2: Yeah, it's it's really good for lots of things, uh, especially support. We, we tend to see more than half of users are getting their help from other QuickBooks users than call, picking up the phone and calling the tech support. Uh, so that it's a it's an interesting uh, metaphor. Uh, that was that was originally the TurboTax Live community uh, implementation. They have it on the TurboTax uh, online edition of uh, their tax software, and that was how we came to know about the project originally. So that
1: one thing also, this is not related to what you're <laughs> asking about, but one thing I think might be a little unique about us uh, is we're doing both. PC and Mac development in Rails, um, and I know that... Uh, okay. Yeah, I know I'm in the minority there. I, I'm using... I have a Dell sitting on my lap right now. <laughs> and um, although Tom's been gently prodding me for quite some time <laughs> to switch, and I probably am <laughs> but um But one of the things that's kind of cool about the group is that people can use use the environment that they're most productive in. And um, Brian's the best son on PC doing Ruby development I've ever seen. So... <laughs> <laughs> so so it's it's actually great. Um, the um, although as I said, I probably am going
0: to make that switch. <laughs> Be jealous <gentle> of <on> me. <laughs> well, definitely, with people just wanting to try it out, and and hey, nobody denies that many more people are on Windows than than the small number of people that have a Mac. So it's great to have things like the the one click Ruby installer and other things like that that can make it easy to to do cr- cross platform development. Even even on the same team, that's great to hear.
1: We've also been... Um, we've tried to give back to the community a bit. Um, and so um, so we've put a couple of things. One of the things that was a problem when I joined the team last summer was we had a lot of tests, but they were taking too long to run. Uh, and, uh, like, way too long. Uh, on my Windows PC, they were taking 51 minutes. And on Time Smack, I think they were taking 20. And even 20... Yikes. Yeah, it's, it's a long time. Uh, so um, I did some work to... To quadruple the performance of the test, um, which was great because you know developers aren't even going to run tests if they take that long, uh, and it's very important to us to get to get those tests run um, and I did some sort of ad hoc debugging i mean I, I tried running a profiler and didn't find anything useful um, so I ended up just stepping through it in the NetBeans debugger and watching what was taking a while. Uh, and like if, if I stepped over a line and I could tell in human time, like whoa, that took longer than I thought, then I would dig in. And um, so uh, one of the things that I found was we're using the using GUID plugin to generate GUID IDs instead of auto increment integer IDs. And that plugin, every time you generate a GUID, it, uh, it launches the process. It launches IP Config on Windows and if Config on, on Mac and Linux, and then parses the output. So that was taking a long time. So I extended the plugin and put that on GitHub uh, to give back. And um he now uses MySQL to generate the quids. Yeah. So I basically call MySQL to generate it, and I batch them up like 50 at a time, and that's just way faster. It's, it's 2,000 times faster on my machine, and like 200 times faster on Linux. Yeah. I've got the test. The
2: test run in about five minutes now on my machine and we do uh some automation also i uh i got a mac mini on my desk that all it does all day long is run the rail test after each check-in um with uh cruisecontrol.rb um and we at intuit we use uh, perforce and cruisecontrol.rb uses git or subversion and i was able to work there, or find like an old stale perforce driver somewhere on the on the net, and um, I had the guy send it to me and um, fixed it up to work with uh, our install of cruise control. And I've actually shared out uh, with another member who's not on our team anymore uh, that Perforce driver is on GitHub. Uh, but so now we have it. So every time there's a check-in on the branch, I mean it's up to the engineer to be running the test before they check in. But um, there's a double check now that. My Mac Mini just—it doesn't even have a monitor hooked up to it or a keyboard. All it does is run cruise control tests all
0: day long. <laughs> nice, yeah, that's definitely uh, beneficial. When it definitely you want to run tests yourself, but also have them just happen in the background like that. Yeah, that's impressive too to find a some something that's going to speed it up by several hundred times. That's pretty rare as a developer that you can get rid of that big of a bottleneck and get a speed up right away. Well, thanks again for the conversation. Uh, very interesting, and I'll I'll be uh, linking up your blogs and the uh, community Intuit website as well. Thanks for the discussion.
1: Thank you, Jeffrey. Thanks a lot.
0: The Rails Podcast is sponsored by Peep Code Screencasts, where I'm proud to say we brought on Dan Benjamin as a consultant. Dan developed the CMS for a list-apart magazine Blogs at Hive Logic and has a couple of his own podcasts at The Talk Show and a photography podcast called Tax Sharp. So look for some new collaborations with Dan over the next few months. Also, we're going to celebrate that with a sale during the month of April. Get $20 off the unlimited plan that gives you access to all of our screencasts and PDFs for a full year. Or Get one extra credit when you buy the five credit pack for only $40. Go to peepcode.com for the details.